Bloody Elbow presents Care Don't Care, the show that determines the most and least interesting fights on upcoming UFC events and sometimes strays outside of MMA into general pop culture. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes, John S. Nash, and Eugene S. Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of Care Don't Care, the show that previews the week's upcoming UFC events by determining which fights are hot and which fights are not. I'm Steffi Haynes, and normally I'm joined by Eugene S. Robinson, author of Fight, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Ass-Kicking, But We're Afraid You Get Your Ass-Kicked for Asking, and host of the Show Stomper podcast, co-host of the If the Shoe Fits podcast, and owner and operator of the Eugene S. Robinson Substack. But he is away filming another rock video, punk rock, alt rock, whatever uh, metal grunge thing that Eugene identifies by. But anyways, he is filming an Oxbow video today. So we are holding down the fort, John and I, by ourselves. And John, of course, John Nash, host of the Show Money podcast, co-host of the If the Shoe Fits podcast, owner and operator of the Hey Not the Face podcast, and Bloody Elbow's chief financial columnist. Now today we are looking ahead to UFC Vegas 66. But first, let's take a look back and see how we fared on last night's card. John, I gotta know, what in the hell did you make of the main event kerfuffle? Well, first of all, I got to say that coward Eugene couldn't come and face for the, the, his picks. He couldn't stand by his picks today. That's why he couldn't be here. Even though I think he, I think he got the majority right. I think he actually beat me. So maybe I'm, I'm happy he isn't here today. Uh, the main event, I, it's. I just think. Well, I thought it was. I can't say I didn't make a pick when I was watching it. I was watching it, and I thought uh, I, I, I partly gave I gave Uncle Ia the the slight advantage. I think while I was watching, but partly too is remember I picked him. So am I being biased when I when I thought he was he actually won? I don't know, but I did think it was close enough that a draw did not seem like any any outrageous result in my head after I watched the fight. What I did like though, and I don't know if you saw, is that uh, Kadyrov today, the the warlord out of Chechnya, he had to pipe in and started yelling at Dana White for allowing the robbery of Akalayev in that fight. And I thought that that the it, this fight, the, the cluster f, the cluster f at the end of the fight has actually made it much more interesting because not only did they make up a title shot just to fill the card, they didn't then crown a champion, and now you got warlords injecting themselves into it. The other thing though is that. It kind of came off so janky. I mean, 10 minutes after we have this really weird decision, we've got an entirely different fight. In the last couple of weeks, the opponents for that light heavyweight title has changed with five different people. Yeah, I I mean, the whole point is that the title is there. Everybody should know the UFC does not have, even say it's not, uh, I guess, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, when he was testifying, you know, he had his hearings in Congress, he said that the UFC officials told him it's not a real world championship. It's a prize for the night. And they've talked about that when G- Beth and BJ Penn days and their contract. They're not a sanctioning organization. The title is a promotional trophy or an award, and it's just there for promotional reasons. And every time they need a title fight to, to headline an event to sell pay-per-views, if they don't have a champ, if they don't have anything that's the fans are going to get upset about, they're going to wheel this out and throw it on that card. And that's what they're doing. 
Yeah. Man, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I the the card was phenomenal for the first 10 fights. It really was. It was entertaining. We saw some really cool stuff. Billy Quarantillo looked amazing. Dracu Duplessis looked outstanding. We had so many great moments. And then we get to Patty Pimlet and Jared that was, Gordon. That was, yeah, that was, that was, well, mm. the, the topic card. I started watching uh, at the uh, Buckley uh, Curtis fight. That's where I came in. So from that fight on, I watched the the whole card. But the the I mean, I, I was strangely entertained with the main event because I wasn't shocked that uh, <laughs> Jean Jan I, I don't know how we're Jan, supposed to pronounce Jan. it Jan how, how uh, he uh, he stuck. With, I thought he was not. He's going to have a lot harder time, but he he stuck with it. And I, and actually, I thought Megaman was done at the end of the second with his legs. He was wobbling the last three rounds. I was shocked he was able to keep standing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was it, in some ways it was an intriguing fight, but it also was also frustrating because neither one really turned it on. It looked like they had their the opponent in constant danger, and yet maybe because of their you know the fears of their what their opponent could do, it was a, just a slow progress. The fight round after round, and that's the part that got me. Yeah. So you know, it's like, oh, you got him finished. Just keep going to the legs, and then he stopped because he's, you know, uh, Uncle have kept, you know, throwing actually pretty good strikes in his face. I was, he looked faster, so uh, his stand up in many ways looked better. Yeah, and that's that was key. Here's yeah. the thing: I had Uncle of winning. Mm-hmm. I had it forty eight forty seven. That first round was kind of razor close. Yeah. Uh, you know, the judges gave it to Big Yon. I kind of had it on Kaliyev. I had it one, four, and five for Ankalaev and two and three for Big Yon. Um, the thing with Ankalaev is that after the third round, when, when he really looked like he was getting close to being done, and that corner, boy, that's some hardcore old school cornering. That's the kind of cornering I feel like I would need to have to go back out there after getting my legs busted up and chewed up like that. That's the kind of cornering I would need. Get your ass out there or go fucking kill him. You know, that's what I would need. And clearly that's what Ankalaev needed because after that third round, he was like a bullet out of a gun as soon as the horn sounded or as soon as, not the horn, as soon as the, the ref says go. You know, I mean... It, it was insane the way that 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 switch flipped in his head. He was, man, so aggressive in those last two rounds, just immediately not giving Jan a chance to get anything off. Nothing. No leg kicks. Uh-uh, you're not doing that anymore. And they panned, uh, the camera panned on, on Ankalaev between rounds three and four. And I thought to myself, the way that they did this was so cool. Because they start at the bottom, they they pan up from his feet, and they slow down when they get to one of his feet because it's all torn up, but it's bleeding. It's it's got a tear, a scrape, a cut, whatever. But it, his foot is bleeding, and then they go up to his legs, and they're all swollen and beat to shit. And one of his shins has some blood on it. And then they keep panning up to his midsection, and his midsection is all red and battered. And then they get up to his face, and that cut over the right eye, you know, over the right eye brow and I just looked at him and I thought to myself that man's been through some shit he's been through a war and then he comes out after that round and he's like a shot out of a cannon he does I mean he's immediately 
on Big Yawn. I mean, Big Yawn couldn't do shit in those last two rounds. And it, I feel that it was because his corner got in his head and said, you can't do, you can't knock this guy out. You can't take this guy out. Get out there. Do what you're supposed to do. Fucking kill him. Blah, blah, blah. And it worked. Yeah, I mean, one thing I was impressed by him, remember the Santos fight, Tiago Santos mm. with him? He really tired in the last rounds, didn't he? If I'm remembering correctly? Yep. Yeah, he really, and I was shocked because I expected if this fight went long that he would be in a serious trouble because he just seems like a guy that doesn't have the cardio to go the full five. But he he looked better in the last mm-hmm. couple rounds. So I was, you know, whatever he, the guy is, you know, I, I, you know, normally I don't care about politics. There's going to be a lot of fighters on here that have just opinions I do not like at all. And I cheered for a couple of them to lose. So I'm kind of was happy in the results. But and this guy is, you know, hanging out with uh, Kadyrov. You know, who's a just a terrible human being by all standards. But I got to admit, the guy's tough as nails. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, I can't take that away. I might not like what, you know, who's cheering him on and who he's going to go back and bring him, wanted to bring a title back to. I mean, it's, it's almost pro wrestling supervillainry. It's like uh, bringing it back to Mother Russia, you know, the old Soviets with the Nikita Koloff or the Iron Sheik. But it's it has that 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 feel about it. But it, this is real life. But I got to say, I, I marvel at how tough he fought. So it was it, it's it was a weird fight. But it's also it's a fight with all the things around it were even bigger than the fight itself. The fact that they you know, that they had a, a champion that stepped down and uh, I don't know what what's going on with his shoulder, how long he's out, because it's it, if he's going to be back by summer, if he's not he's going to be out less than a year. Why would you strip him of the title? I have a lot of confusion about the whole idea of why he's he stepped down as champion. Oh, that it, yeah, for sure. It, and so they they make a title fight. They throw these guys together. Who's going to fight for the title based on who's available, not based on on a, available on a date, not based on who should really be the who are the the top two contenders. Then they fail to get the title. Then they just go, let's just, you know what, do over to grab the next two guys. And then what's great is, did you see Anthony Smith oh my in the God. post-fight? He's, he, they made the announcement why what? he's on the air. And, and he they had to, didn't tell him first, so he's like, what the fuck? There, there goes my opponent. And, and okay, he lost to Ankalaev, so you could say, okay, he does not deserve title shot. Right. But he's rated higher than Hill. He's mm-hmm. on, on the UFC rankings. He's higher. And that was his opponent. Yes. Now what, he's been training to fight that guy. Yep. <laughs> the the cluster the when I heard the result I I I'd be honest I had a smile on my face because the pure chaos was very enjoyable. Oh, me too. I mean, I immediately tweeted laughing my ass off, and like the oh extended into four lines because it was hilarious. I mean, I just the whole the whole scenario. I think back on it and it makes me want to start cackling again because I can only imagine. The the chaos amongst Dana's staff, you know, they're all scrambling and everything, or maybe they're not. Maybe this was all orchestrated. Who the fuck knows? I mean, nothing surprises me anymore. And also, Dana just out there putting out the business, the beeswax of James Krause. He, he said in the presser that James Krause is facing federal time. Well, that, that was hilarious because remember a couple of weeks ago, oh, we, you know, it, it was wrong. no big deal. Nothing really happened. It was just this event, but we just want to be safe. But nothing really. We went from nothing happened to, oh, the feds are going to put this guy away. Yeah, that's a that's a massive change in just a few weeks of what uh, the storyline is there. But the, the thing about the next title fight, too, is they announced it. But there's no way those guys agreed and signed bout agreements yet. Yeah. They, they announced it. It's like 
did they agree on phone calls in like a couple minute spans? I think they just they pulled the two names, threw it out, and imagined that those guys are going to accept. Well, you know, Jamal Hill, there's a video of him being super excited about it. I haven't seen anything from Glover's camp yet, but that's not to say that it's not out there. It's just at this moment in on Sunday morning, I haven't seen it yet. So I imagine because that's where he wanted it in Brazil at that sure. date. So and, I, I and imagine, he's, but I, I just bet the idea that they have accepted already seems, you know, it seems impossible to me that they made a decision within matter of minutes like that. <laughs> it's just the whole thing stinks. My God, it stinks. But anyways, let's move into the co-main event. Patty Pimlet, Jared Gordon. I had it 29-28 for Gordon. How did you have it? I honestly, I got bored at the fight. There was oh, so I, it much was terrible. But yeah, there I was so like... much just against the cage, tangled together. I, I was le- again. This was a fight where I'm going. I think Gordon won, but I go, but it was it subconsciously because I'm sick of Patty. Or, but either way, it's like it was a really close fight. But it's not. Patty is not the fighter they've been selling him as, and the whole no. idea. I think I tweeted that uh, they keep calling him a prospect. He's twenty. He's going to be twenty eight in a couple of years. This is his twenty third pro fight. Uh, you know, he's been fighting for 10 years. In what world is he a prospect? This is – he should be at the peak of his performance right now. Yeah. And, and you know, they keep talking about moving him up slowly, but nothing against Jared Gordon. He's a pretty good fighter, but he's not – this isn't Dustin Poirier. This no. isn't Chandler. This no. isn't Gaethje. This isn't Oliveira, you know, the the top of the division. Any of those guys with their striking, I think – I honestly believe uh, Patty leaves on a stretcher against those guys. Oh, yeah, and – Listen, for him to go be out there talking about he thinks he's the man that can take Makachev. Oh my god. Hey, I, you're laughing too hard. I couldn't even understand that. He so. said he was the guy that could take Makachev. Oh my God. Jeez. Well, <laughs> bless his delusional heart there, Patty. I mean, to... you did not win that fight last night. I'm sorry. It was 20. 20- yeah. I, I am will not go out. I retweeted a bunch of people that were calling it a robbery simply for discussion's sake. But I actually put out a tweet right after the fight. I did not think it was a robbery, but I did think Jared Gordon won. I don't agree with the decision, but I am not going to go out there and call it a robbery like everybody else is because I don't think it was a robbery. I do think, though, that Jared Gordon won two rounds to one. That yeah, it's uh, I I I don't think I can't call it. There's a difference. There's two. There's two categories. There's a robbery and a bad decision. Yeah. And right? I think this was a bad decision. I don't think. It was yeah, there's a, this was a bad decision, but not a robbery. And oh, but even then, I, I don't even know if it's a bad decision because it was. I thought it was close. Enough. But again, this is the guy that they're selling as this big mm-hmm. prospect, the next big thing. He's and you should not. Conor, the difference between him, Conor, Conor McGregor didn't struggle at all with, with these guys, mm-hmm. with guys not to be again, but at this level, especially guys this much smaller, he he was starching them on his yeah. rise. Yes. And, you know, and, and this is Pimblet, you know, he should be apologizing for delivering a sloppy shit to the audience. But instead he's talking about, he got fight of the night. No one knows what they're talking about. Yeah. And that was so funny too, is that there's this video uh, of him walking back to the locker room after the fight. And he races up to Dave Portnoy from Barstool and they're hugging and everything. And Dave is in the stupid Patty wig. And then Patty spies Dana off in the distance and he starts screaming, Dana, Dana, Dana. And Dana comes up and he grabs his hand and he says, fight of the night, right? 
And Dana laughs, cuts him a side eye, and turns around. We'll talk about this later. And he turns around and he walks off. And it just sent me over the edge. Oh, my God. That and the fact that, you know, I don't have a whole lot of nice things to say about Joe Rogan these days. Because he's totally changed. However, I will give him props on one single thing last night. Actually, two. He was calling it like he saw it. In the first round of that fight, because he was talking about how Patty, look at how high his chin is. Look at Jared Gordon just landing left after left after left, and Patty's not doing a damn thing to block it. And the other thing that he did that I I, I kind of liked was the fact that in the post-fight interview, the very first thing Patty said was he took a shot at Ariel and told Joe hey, you need to talk to my manager and get me paid for this interview. And Joe did not bite. And the utter silence in those two, three seconds after he said that were hilarious. So props to Joe Rogan for those two things and those two things alone. I have to also amend something that I've said in the past. I said that I was not willing to write Patty off until I saw him really struggle or put put in a performance that made me say, hey, this guy, ha- that's his ceiling. This was that performance, and I should have opened my eyes a little sooner. I will admit, maybe I was dazzled a little bit by all the hype, too. But last night's performance was definitely the nail in the ceiling of Patty Pimlet's coffin, you know? I mean, that's his ceiling pretty much was Jared Gordon and Jared Gordon morning. Yeah, I, 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 my question is, when do they cash out of the Patty Pimblet business? God, because... hopefully soon, because he's not a good shit talker at all. He's not delivering. He's getting busted in lies by the the nemesis of the UFC and Ariel Helwani. I mean, if you're going to take an L, you don't want to take it to Ariel. Because that's that's not going to endear you to the UFC. And then he turns in this shit performance. And Dana had to do some real wheeling and dealing in that presser. Because he talked about how Jared Gordon had a stupid fucking plan in taking the third round off. Um, Excuse me, sir. Your little golden child here said right there in the cage to Joseph Rogan. Said that I coasted the last round. But you didn't say anything to him. Now, to my knowledge, Jared Gordon did not say, I coasted the, th- the third round. I feel like Dana just pulled that out of thin air and decided that that's what he did. Well, I mean, Dana's, the they're in the Patty Pimlet business. They they're, really they're, are. And the point, they're, they're, they're there to, to make as much money off him. They're not in the Jared Gordon business. Mm-mm. So who do you blame for the bad fight? Exactly. <laughs> it's Gordon. So I, I, you know, but that's kind of the, the problem when, that's where I think some fighters get upset with the UFC compared to we're going to use the boxing example in boxing. When you have a fight, often it's, you know, one promoter represents one fighter, one promoter represents the other. So if he's biased to his boxer, it's expected. He represents that boxer. He doesn't represent both opponents in the cage, in the, in the ring In MMA, it's frustrating for a lot of fighters because it's, it's supposed to be kind of like a league. Mm-hmm. And if we show favoritism to one fighter, 
in boxing, that's understandable. But in MMA, it's really frustrating a lot of fighters because they believe in the UFC is kind of a meritocracy. You're in there and you compete against each other in the best rise. Favorite, there shouldn't be favoritism. And yet you you, you see obvious favoritism mm-hmm. often. So that's, I mean, this is a prime example of what frustrates some fighters because they just, in their head, it should be uh, basically a league like the NBA. The NBA is not supposed to show favoritism or the NFL is not supposed to show favoritism to the, the big market teams over the small market teams. Yeah. And so that's that's the way it works. But no, it's uh, I don't know. The the Pimlet thing, again, I, I wait for them to cash out. I don't know. I mean, there's a couple next step there. If they want to keep building them up, I guess the next step is probably giving like Tony Ferguson, you know, a top guy. I mean, there's a step before that. But the problem is you don't want to move him up high enough where he loses to a guy that's that's not very that's not a big name. Right. Yeah. They keep giving him winnable fights. But if he moves up another fight. Uh, the next tier, I just don't see him winning. So I wonder if the next step is like try to give him a guy that has a name value and a ranking, but that's kind of not not be me, but wash like Tony Ferguson. Somebody also suggested maybe Michael Johnson for Patty Pimlet, and that's a dangerous fight, though. Yeah, the problem is with that. Even mm-hmm. with Tony Ferguson, it, the thing was Tony looked really slow against Diaz, but like all of them, the way he puts that chin up. God, one, just one, mm-hmm. one counter, whatever. He's just, he's out. He's out cold. See, so... I want, I want Ilya Taporia. I know Ilya fights at 145 and Patty fights at 155, but if they're willing, I mean, Patty should actually take that fight if he really wants to prove something that, you know, fight, uh, fight down, fight at a catchweight, even fight at 155 because Ilya is willing to do it at any point. After the, after seeing Ilya last <laughs> night, I, if I'm Patty, I stay away from him. Exactly. But I want it so bad. I mean, he'll still have the height, he'll still have the size advantage. I mean, yeah. but they, I think that'll make it look worse, but we'll get to that fight eventually. So yeah, exactly. All right. So we're going to move on down the card here. Uh, in the interest of time, we're going to skip a few. I did feel super bad for Alex Morono. He, I mean, he, won. he was winning. He was kicking the crap out he of him. He really Kick- was. And that one punch changed the whole complexion of the fight. And it was a good stoppage. Oh yeah, stoppage. it was good. It was a good. It was it was kicking the. I, I was like, oh, he's this is clear. But I gotta say one thing, that extra ten pounds of catch weight, you can really see it on Alex. Oh, you could. Oh you know, boy, I'm like, oh, I don't remember that being that big a tire. Somebody, <laughs> one of my friends, uh, Chelsea, oh my, uh, OMFG, she put out a tweet that said that Alex Morono <laughs> looked like the the airbag in a car. <laughs> that's mean but i understand yeah that's but that's what i liked about him like oh there's a fighter i can i can visualize myself being (laughs) all right you know who looked really good Driku duplessis wow he looked phenomenal i know he sort of blew his wad in the first round but fortunately he got that recovery train going so he was able to submit darren till what the hell do you do with darren till he had that rally he's he's done till is done i mean not to be mean but this is uh, I mean, he, he can still fight, but he's lost like five of four five or of five, five of six, five of six. And this is yeah. a two fight streak, two or three fight, two or three in a row. He just doesn't he did. He, and he got, I mean, he came back a little bit, but he got that first round. He was just getting walloped. He got uh, uh, 70, 80% of this fight. He was getting walloped. How in the world was that fight not stopped in the first? He took 60, 60 unanswered shots he didn't get a single shot off until the last 19 seconds of the fight yeah i i I have no clue i mean i I guess they didn't think he was in serious risk but he was i just thought he was getting just just manhandled that first round yes and he was uh, at serious risk some of those punches duplessis was landing 
were with ill intent. I mean, yeah. They oh, were not I mean, I thought it was violent, but it's uh, t- my thing is it's uh, it's impressive. It's a good one for Prissy uh, Duplessis. Duplessis, but uh, I I don't want to take away from him be- at the same time because it was a it, you know he beat the crud out of him, but Till just also looked bad in my opinion. Yeah, and, he has and, he has an iron will. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the compliment you want. That's, yeah. I mean, having a, a super tough chin is not the compliment you want because it's always preceded by he lost, but he has a super tough chin. Yeah, that's but that just means more problems in the future yeah. when you get older. Yeah. So, but I again, I mean, it's it's Till at a he has a name value, but I he should not be on on spotlight fights at all. No, not at all. He needs to be like feature prelim going forward. Even though, I mean, I just not, he's just not a care for me. Nope. Not me either. Not after that. I doubt that he's going to be matched inside the top 10 in his next fight. If he gets a next fight, I don't even know, but we're going to move on and talk about that. Ilya Topuria, Bryce Mitchell fight and Bryce Mitchell, uh, put out on his Twitter the day before the fight. I fear no man. I I'm, I go with God. I walk through the shot of the valley of the shadow of death. Blah blah blah. You know what? There is a still image of him just getting walloped, and his eyes are wide, like in fear, like a deer in headlights. And I had to restrain myself. Actually, I actually tweeted it, but I immediately deleted it. But I. I quote tweeted him on that and I just put that picture and then I thought to myself, I need to take that down. That's just wrong. But is it? <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I, I like watching Bryce Mitchell fight cause he's violent. Usually. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, I really like fighting, watching him fight. I picked him to win, Me too. but also he's one of those fighters. I'm, you know, I'm, I usually don't care what fighters say, you know, they, they hold different views, but, but he says such God awful, stupid stuff. Yeah, I mean, about I mean, the world being flat and about gravity. super conspiracies to, to take our guns away. That's why every massacre is, you know, just the stupidest conspiracy stuff. He doesn't that believe I, in gravity, John. He says yeah. that gravity is actually mass, that there is yeah. no gravity, that yeah. what holds us to the ground is the fact that we're heavy. Okay. Yeah. Dude, that's gravity. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like the, the science. He's at, he's at not only in a war with his opponent, but a war with science. Yes. And I, I think I tweeted that uh, Tapuria was fighting for uh, Pythagoras. Yeah, but in, on, in, in honor as uh, well, the first guy that considered the world round that made it right. at least that we know. But anyways, the the thing is, I was happy to see him lose, and I was really impressed with Tapuria because uh, in the first round. Mitch, it, it looked like he was going to be in trouble. Mitchell got him around, but Mitchell really had no threat when he got him to the ground. Right. He didn't and that's do anything. what shocked me because Mitchell's normally an aggressive grappler. Yeah. But I think he got a, a little bit of the, you know, the, the, the shit, the pants moment when Ilya was landing those heavy hands on his oh. face. Yeah, I think the the what you could kind of see the what Melton he couldn't take him down except and then when he did take him down he couldn't do anything and he was getting his his defense he just looked shell shocked standing mm-hmm. up he looked very slow looked you know his defense just did not look good compared to standing up and so I was really impressed with Tapuria I did not think I thought I, I shouldn't say I thought Mitchell was a better fighter but I guess I underestimated how good Tapuria is because yeah, he that... just completely shut down. Everything that made Mitchell dangerous and then just, you know, had his way with him. 
and, that and, was, and had his way using science. Yeah, that was yeah. my problem, too, was that um, I overestimated Bryce. And, you know, that O is what gets you, you know? Well, yeah, Even I don't know if o. I quite overestimated or just underestimated what, uh, what Taporia could like, do again. I feel like I overestimated Bryce more than I underestimated Probably, Taporia. yeah. I thought this was going to be a banger of a fight. And I've all week long, I've been calling it the main event. That's my personal main event was that fight. And I don't think I underestimated Ilya as much as I overestimated mm. Bryce's grappling. Because when I broke this down for um, the level change, I specifically said it's it's a fight of Ilya's hands and Bryce's grappling. But you know what it turned out? It turned out to be a fight of Ilya's hands and Ilya's grappling because yeah. Bryce's was a non-factor in this fight. Yeah, you could see the uh, you could actually see how bad Bryce's stand-up was when he oh has God, no yes. real no real threat with his grappling because he it just the the just a world of difference. But his defense looked awful. He looks he looks scared at times standing. So of course he, he because... turned and he turned into Sean Strickland. Yeah, standing. I mean... So it was. It was it was enter- it was entertaining though. I mean, I, I love his t- trash talk before before the fight that he was going to bounce his head off the ground so hard, make it flat like the earth. <laughs> I'm like, I'm old for that again. I, you know, again, I don't really care what fighters believe, but when you say stuff so stupid, I can't help but cheer for your opponent. Yeah, and Ilya Topuria is worth cheering for. I mean, yeah. he's the whole package. See, Jesus I, Christ, I, I, I don't know him. I don't know anything about his personal life. Maybe he's a terrible, terrible human being. In I don't want to know though. But, I, but at I'm least he's losing with, gravity. Yeah, I'm done with knowing what fighters are like because yeah. it, it always ruins it for me. So I'm going to judge this particular guy on what he's done in the cage. And he's phenomenal. Total package. He has future champ or at the very least future title challenger written all over him. He has a very complete game. The transitions, everything was so goddamn smooth. It was yeah I I am I I am fully on the bandwagon for this guy now. Yes. Um, it, it is funny to go back to the fighter thing. It's like I hated Michael like a lot of people. Michael Bisbing mm-hmm. drove me nuts. But honestly, he's probably one of the nicest guys in real life. If he a fighter, is. you made him. You probably sit and go, "This is a guy I can sit and have a conversation with and get along with." But inside, you know, in the ring or inside the promotional world, he's like, "Oh man, I can't wait for Hendo to knock him out again." <laughs> you know, he he is pretty cool. His wife is just the sweetest thing ever too so anyways we're gonna move on to Raul Rosas Jr. now let's talk about this guy for a moment because he is also the real deal I know he is only 18 years old but this is a different kind of animal than Sage Northcutt because there were a lot of people that were and and I misunderstood someone that was talking to me about this um but we I eventually finally figured out what he was saying and came around, apologized, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, is this guy gets compared to Sage Northcutt, but by the way that they're trying to promote him. I mean, they're really trying to put this guy over. They don't have to. The kid puts himself over. My God. I realized that Jay Perrin was probably planted there to for his, his debut fight to end in a wild success story like this. But he looks like a guy that really knows what he's doing. He's He's been a practicing martial artist since he was fucking six. Okay? So <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this guy will be a contender in probably a year and a half, two years at the top. 
That that guy you had to come out. I'm sure it was must have been Knuckles Freeman because I remember being tagged in something like yes, that. Yes, it was. That, it was. God I dang, Knuckles Freeman, that Stamberski. I love that guy though. He's, ah, he's great. No, no, don't tell him that. Don't. I'm not going to beat his ego. That guy's a, that guy's an ass. I'm he's just sticking awesome. to that. You be quiet. I, you leave Knuckles alone. Anybody that interacts with me on, I'm the suspect on Twitter. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I actually think I think he's the real deal in a yeah. sense. But uh, I think we're both you and Knuckles were talking. What got me is this is not. Sage North uh, Northcutter page no. when they brought them in, right? And I, I think the whole reason they were brought in and made this big deal is because the sale was going to happen, and they were trying to show right. future buyers who didn't know much about MMA, so we can make champ, we can make stars anytime we want. Mm-hmm. That's how easy to make stars are, and I think that was the 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 appeal of those two. But my one thing with Rosa is that the UFC is it's it's kind of this weird hybrid animal. We were talking about earlier about how promoters have favorites, but the UFC promotes everybody. And so you have a situation where this kid is not going to be ready to be thrown in the general mix. He's going to have to be developed, right? Right. And it's going to be probably years of development. He's probably going to need about five, six, seven fights before you really start putting him in the general body of the, the division. But they won't and do it that way. For they some might, reason, might not, but, they, but they've like been doing that. that. They've been very good at giving guys slight touches. They've done it with O'Malley. They've done it with, uh, I mean, Molly Malone the, up till now. But they spot the weakness. That's the thing with O'Malley. They spotted something because, you know, the, the, the ankle issues and everything else. O'Malley was problem ridden from the start. So they started giving him those soft touches right away because he had problems right away. Well, I think they wanted, they saw star potential O'Malley and then right. now O'Malley's asking for more money and now they're, Okay, no longer are you getting right. this off. We're going to throw you in the, the the mix of the title contention if you want the higher paycheck. But I think Rosa, they're going to they're going to build this guy up for a while, and that's going to be frustrating to some fans and fighters because they expect the UFC to be like everybody's in it together in like a tournament a development. And uh, we're I don't I think it might have been smart to maybe let them sit in contenders for three or four fights. That's what you have that for. See, I don't know. I think that they're going to speed speed shift this guy in particular because for me, the way that I had noticed things is that when guys come in and they're immediately racking up wins and they're doing great things and they've got this uh, amazing history behind them and it's clear that they're a, a cut above everyone else, they seem to speed shift those guys. And we, we see them taking on tough opponents a well, little I... earlier than everybody else. And I'm looking at guys like, for instance, Izzy. He didn't get the soft touches. He was speed shifted through his championship. I think Raul Rosas is going to be on Then I'm not, I, I don't know if I like being in the UFC then yeah, because, because I don't I'm think he's ready him. to be moved up super fast. He's still a kid. I don't think kid. it'll be super fast, but I do think it'll be at the outside two years before we see him in a top five situation. Because they're going to speed shift him. Mark my words. Two years. Okay, I, I say I, I got a feeling. My guess, and I, I just feel slightly different. I think they're going to they're going to move him a, a, more. Jay Perrins and stuff. For... I mean, we're looking at Patty Pimlet getting nothing but soft touches. But some of these guys, they don't move slow. I mean, and and I'm drawn right back to Izzy Adesanya. Raul Rosas is is one of those special kids that is really, really genuinely talented. And I think the UFC has recognized that in a big way. And I think that the soft touches might happen for the next fight or two, and then they're going to start jumping well, up. I, don't, I still, at that age, I, I, don't, I don't like I, it either. I, I imagine an Aaron Pico situation if they go too fast. Sure. I don't like it either. But watch, it's going to happen. You'll see. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in the weird way, it's for the UFC, it's found money either way. Either yeah. they 
you know, they have this kid that you'll be interested in the first few fights, and then they can speed him up, and he'll turn into a star. And if he doesn't turn into a star, so what? They move on to the next one exactly. because it's all it, it's there's they own the machine, they own yeah. everything, so it doesn't matter. They can they'll, they'll throw another part, another person to turn your focus on. And I think the most important point that you made, and it's the most important important point in general here, is what you said. They had Sean O'Malley that they were priming to be the next big thing. And then he started asking for money. So you know what they did? They went and found another next big thing. And when he starts asking for money, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go find another next big thing. Because now they have the contender series that they can constantly have this revolving door of next big things. And when they start asking for a little bit too much money, then we'll just find another one. Because they're getting away with it and people are buying it. And I'm one of those people, you know, oh. I'm, I, I, I buy the events. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's the, you know, they have a captive, they've, they've got mm-hmm. an audience conditioned to buy no matter what. I mean, yeah. and truth, I mean, we get off to a tangent, this pay-per-view was not worth the price. No, it I mean, wasn't, this, but I they, paid for Last it. minute title <laughs> shot just made up and thrown on it. And the rest of the fights like, oh, well, I guess they're fights, but people, you know, people are conditioned to go buy the pay-per-views and they all clamor to do it. But I, this is where I missed something with, I wish the UFC had something like uh, the challengers that Strikeforce had, because you could have guys like Rosa and other guys that are prospects fighting for a couple of years. And these, these, these sideshows that are, are not the main ones, but I guess you do that at the fight nights because they're not having, you know, all the big fights are not on the pay-per-views. But you could put them there and and have them fight. You know, you have a spotlight on them, so fans could track the development of a young fighter. But they're not in the general mix of the pool, the talent pool. Mm. Well, in any event, I just the contender series is a gift and a curse, all in the same thing. I like the idea that we can develop talent there. I hate the idea that that's our new uh, source of cheap talent. It sucks. It really does. And it's the UFC's way of keeping these guys on the wheel. The wheel is never going to be broke as long as the UFC has a, a monopoly and a, monops- a monopsony on the entire sport. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, uh, well said. All right. Yarzinho Rosenstruck. My God, where was this quick starting Rosenstruck all these other fights? Because he's known for being a slow starter, for waiting to counter. He was not doing that last night. Okay, he was like a shot out of a cannon too. Immediately on Chris Dokhouse and my goodness, just boom, 23 seconds. I like what Zane Simon said. He said something like, uh, Rosenstruck's good for 10 really good punches. And this fight, he decided to put them all right at the beginning of the fight. (laughs) And so it's like, yes, that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, I kind of blinked. I had a contact at loose. I was trying to like adjust it. And I'm like, I think I missed the fight. I just saw this flurry, the blur going out there. Yeah. So it was uh, very impressive by him. It was uh, exactly what you want to see at heavyweight. Just, just, Just randomly throwing tons of punches and someone getting laid out. That's definitely the key for him. He's super dangerous no matter who he's fighting. If he could be like a shot out of a cannon in every fight, he would have much better success rate. All right. Um, What are we doing with Chris Duckhouse? Because, woof, dude is, you know, both Duckhouse has taken back-to-back L's. Woof, gotta hurt. But that was three in a row for Chris. Yeah, I mean, he just gets thrown way deep into the pool. 
and not i mean deep not like in the 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 top end of the pool, just deep in the, with all the other fighters and randomly placed on a prelim. And if he can wrap off a couple of wins, then maybe we move him back up into some sort of noteworthy, you know, position to, against someone of a name value. But I think he's, again, he's in the no care list. Yeah. All right. We get to Edmund Shabazian. I like that he changed camps. I'll need to see more of him and against a better opponent than Dolce Lungiambula before I say Edmund is back, but he's still young and he's still, as Eugene would say, educable because that showed. Uh, he he dug down when he was in a little bit of trouble. He got it done. I won't say that I was super impressed, but I was uh, mildly impressed with his work in there and the fact that he was able to come back after a three fight skid and being from as he put it a toxic atmosphere at a toxic camp with Edmund Tarverdi in it at Glendale Fight Club he's now out at Extreme Couture and I think he looked better I I, I like the fact that he was able to uh get out of problem s- scenarios fairly well I just need to see him against a better guy but I, I I'm you know, cautiously going to be expecting of a, a better thing out of him because he definitely has a lot of natural gifts. So, what'd you yeah, think? it was a, it was a vicious ending. It was a mm-hmm. it was an impressive ending. But like you just said, I mean, he just he's fighting a guy that had a three a three fight losing streak, and both of them did. So it was yeah. it was a good matchup, a, a very good bit of matchmaking uh, by Sean Shelby there. Uh, between these two, you know, both of them on three fight losing skids, whoever came out on top on this, this was kind of like their saving grace here. But it, it still doesn't put you in the, they're, they're not, it's not a relevant fight. It was, no. he beat a guy that's, you know, if, if you can't beat a guy, that guy, you, you shouldn't be right. competing at this level. So it's, it, it gives him another day, but I agree with you. Let's see what he does. If his change of camp really has improved him, or if he just fought a guy, they've moved him down far enough, farther, far enough down against a guy bad enough that he could finally get a win. That's, yeah. that's what I need to see. And, you know, you can't judge how well a camp is going to go on one single fight either. So yeah. we'll, we'll need to see how this camp jives with his style in a, in a couple more fights, but this was, this was a good start. Now I think it should be noted. He did not just change camps. He also changed managers. Now, if we go back in our memory palaces, Edmund Shabazian was managed by Ronda Rousey, but when he changed camps, he also changed managers. So now he's with, Dun, 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 dun. Ali Abdelaziz. Oh, well. Yeah. Yay. Out of the frying okay. pan into the fire. Yeah. You know what? Maybe uh, Abdelaziz, maybe he changed his whole performance because of that. Maybe he got him head movement. <laughs> All right. Chris Curtis taking on Joaquin Buckley. You, you went wrong here. You should have listened to me and Eugene. I should have. I really should have. And I blame you guys because I wasn't around to hear you. So, no. Yeah. Um, Joaquin Buckley was doing good work in that first round. He really was. But Chris Curtis figured him out really quickly. And Chris Curtis hits a lot harder. Oh, yeah. That was some, that was just some vicious ground and pound at the mm-hmm. end. That was some, uh, uh, all I could think about watching this fight was, man, I picked the wrong guy. <laughs> now we get to Billy Q. Love this guy so much. I'm so happy he won. I am the captain of the Billy Q standwagon. I like something they said in the commentary. I can't remember which one of them said it, but 
I want to say maybe Anik, I don't know, but he made comment and said that Billy Q weaponizes his cardio. That is absolutely the truth. When he gets you tired, that's when he really turns up the violence and Billy Q is fucking violent, okay? But his cardio is endless. I don't care what kind of a war he's in, he can still pull out amazing stuff in the last two minutes of the fight. It didn't he didn't even need it to get to that point though. He finished this fight in round two. But Alexander Hernandez, he was looking good there for a quick minute, maybe the first 30, 45 seconds of the fight when he cut Billy right off the bat. But after that, that was it. Also, props to the guys in Billy's corner for stopping that cut uh, from bleeding. Man, that work between round one and two was amazing. They got that thing completely staunched. So uh, props to them. But what do you do with Alex Hernandez? Because he dropped from 155 to 145. This was his fight at 145. What do you do with the guy? He's 13 and six. Yeah, well, 13. I mean, uh, what? You, the UFC now they can just keep them. It doesn't really matter because they just have fighters that are just there. So I guess what you do is you just throw them in the mag. You randomly pull a name out of a hat and throw them against it because they just need to fill fights. You know, he's for I guess for for the UFC the matchmakers the key is if we call you are you going to show up wherever we call and want to have you fight or are you going to turn down the fight? And if he says no, I'll I'll say yes and be anywhere. He gets to stay on the roster. If not, it's like well you're not really needed. Well, I'll tell you what, in his last eight fights, he's won three. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's clear what his ceiling is because he can beat the Mike Breedens and the Chris Gritzmachers and the old Francisco Trinaldos, but he can't beat Donald Cerrone. He can't beat Drew Dober. He can't beat Tiago Moises. He can't beat Hanato Moicano. And he certainly can't beat Billy Cornfield. Just- just another fighter in the mix. He's yeah. just whenever they need to fill a card and just need random fights. I mean, it sounds mean, but that's how they, you know, I'm sure that's how they operate. We just, are you a guy that will show up on time on weight when we ask you to show up? Or are you going to call, or are you going to turn down the fight? If he's a guy that says he'll do it, then he stays on the roster. All right. Now we get to TJ Brown defeating Eric Silva. You know, the underdog got the win there, but I, think what was more interesting than the fight itself was the fact that TJ Brown in his post-fight interview talked about James Krause (laughs) and how he had trained out there and that the situation was really weird and sad and that so many people were basically um, homeless trainer-wise and gym-wise and that there was a lot of people that had relocated out there. And oh my God, all the things that I said last week, about people actually uprooting their lives to go and be close to that gym. And most importantly, Brandon Moreno, he literally moved (laughs) to, to Missouri to be close to that gym. So he uprooted his whole entire family, moved out there, and now you got James Krause, and I quote, facing federal charges. I'm I'm quoting Dana White there. Um, That was for me, the most interesting part of everything surrounding TJ Brown. I, I didn't see the uh, early prelims. I miss. I missed the statement. I didn't. I didn't even see any clip this of that. Was a so great I, fight. Both. I mean, everything, top to bottom. It was the first card in a long time that I watched from the the very first fight all the way through to the end. Because normally I'll watch the main card, some of the 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 good prelims, and then I'll catch everything else the next morning. 
But this time I just sat through and watched the whole thing. It was a good card. Well, it, it could be, I just don't have time to watch a whole card. I that's know, a, there's, I that's know. a lot of fights. That's a lot of fights. All right. Entry fight. Cameron Simon taking on Stephen Coslow. Got the win. And I believe Stephen Coslow has a very unique tattoo on his leg. Uh, well, actually, it's on his ankle, but it looks suspiciously like a swastika. A lot of people were drawing attention to that. So there you have it. All right. We are going to go into UFC fight night. Cannoneer versus Strickland. 14 fights on this card. It is the last card of the year. I'm not going to make you do the disclaimer, John. I'm just not going to put us through it. We're just going to move. I, I, I appreciate that. I, the, uh, so do the... Uh... Uh, so do all the the work shy individuals, the bread gobbler, the the oh I can't even remember I'm out of it today. Greedy yeah, bread gobblers. Greedy bread. You know what? COVID really did a number on me, people. <laughs> As you got a few people. That's uh, she's gonna you know try to make me do that while recovering from an illness. So I I, I welcome the pity. <laughs> all right. So anyways, we oh and cry babies. No, and the cry babies absolutely. Bedwetters. Greedy bread gobblers, work shy individuals, malinglers, bull finders. Malinglers. Malingers. <laughs> malingers. Malingers. See, it's uh, <laughs> uh that's I, I got the list. All those people out there. Too bad. I ain't doing it. All right. So as always, we are working from the topology quick sheet from the bottom up. Bout order is subject to change. First fight on the card, Sergey Morozov versus Journey Newson at Bantamweight. Good fight, but I don't care because it's way early on the card and it's not relevant. Boom. Yeah, kind of same, same. I mean, it's not a bad fight, but it's not it's not relevant, noteworthy enough to get me out of my get me up early and, and tuning in. All right, next up, appointment viewing here: David Dvorak versus Manel Cop at one twenty five. I already care. I'm taking Manel Cop. Why are they booking this so early? I know. I don't even know. This understand. is this is like the old days when they used to put like, you know, Dominic Cruz on the early Facebook prelims to get people to tune in. Yeah. So um this should be on the main card. It really should. But Yeah, it should be up there. It's a it's a fight that's a noteworthy, it's fly there, it's a relevant fight at flyweight, so it but I'm taking a cop. Yeah, and Eugene is also taking cop. He sent us his picks already. So all three of us are in agreement. Let me just write this down right quick. Eugene took, uh, he took uh, David uh, uh, Dvorak. He didn't take cop. He said, I'm not taking cop. (laughs) All right. Next up, Brian Battle versus, holy crap, this is really going (laughs) to, Renat Fakrednit. Renat Fakrednov. Nailed it. Nailed it. Something like that. Please forgive me for that horrible pronunciation. In any event, battle is, you know, tough winner, whatever, but I don't care. I really don't. Uh, I I realize this is probably going to be a banger and there's a a lot of hype behind Renat and behind Brian Battle, but I, I really don't care. Yeah, it's again. It's just not the winner. Of this I'll probably care. Could be in a bigger, high-profile fight. I'll tune in, but they're they're way. This is way down the kind of the relevancy of the uh, the welterweight division. Even though Battle has the, uh, a, you know, he's coming off uh, what I can't remember. He beat uh, Sato, didn't he? 
I believe so, yes. Yeah, but he had that head kick win, so, but uh, it's still, uh, no, it's still not, it's a total fight, not, uh, need to be moved up before I take interest. Yeah. All right, next up, Contender Series, Maheshate, taking on Hafa Garcia. This is probably going to be a fucking banger. 155, and Maheshate coming in with a lot of hype. This is not his debut fight. He has had one before. He's also coming out of the Contender Series before that. Uh, I'm going to pass. It's just too too early. Yeah, I, I, I just not relevant enough. For me to recommend that like i'd go out of my way so like, my my eyebrows raised the names but no it's not it's just not relevant enough all right we have some saeed on saeed crime in this next fight we have saeed nurmagomedov versus saeed yokub kakramanov yeah that's actually relevant it is very relevant i'm yeah. gonna pick on this too i'm gonna pick nurmagomedov oh yeah that's a, it's uh yeah i'm gonna go you can't go wrong with a Nurmega Madoff, odds are. When, when you win in doubt, go with the Nurma. Okay, and let me see what Eugene is doing in this, if he's even picking this. Uh, let's see. I have to look at my phone because we did this on the phone. Uh, he is also taking Saeed Nurmagomedov. You said I'm not taking Saeed. <laughs> All right. Next up. Let's see here. Who do we have? We have Julian Marquez versus Deron Wynn. That's going to be comical because of Deron Wynn being so little, but I don't care. It's not yeah. relevant. No, no, not, uh, just not relevant enough. All right. Next up, your favorite fighter, Jake Matthews. How is that my favorite fighter? <laughs> because he's the one out there defending UFC pay. I mean, it make, you know, for from his point of view, it makes sense. He probably makes a lot more at the UFC than he could anywhere else. <laughs> he's taking on Matt Simmelsberger. Woo! I'm picking this fight because Matt Simmelsberger hits like a truck, and Jake Matthews is actually pretty goddamn good. Um, Eugene is taking Simmelsberger. I think I'm mm. going to take Matthews because I think Matthews can. Mm. Fuck. I don't know now. I don't, Sam, know. I, I don't know. It's, it's close to relevant. I, what is, I forgot the fight matrix. What the, I usually check that before we do the show to see where they're ranked, but I'm going to take it. I think Samuelsberger is in the, at Walterweight, that's a, that's a top 40 division. So I think he's in it. Matthews is definitely up there. Okay. Top, here's like, the problem. Matthews doesn't get finished with knockouts. He's only got a single knockout loss in his whole career. He gets finished with submissions. Yeah. He's well. very, very submittable via choke. Anaconda choke, rear naked choke, you name it. So, but he's also a very good grappler himself. I'm still going to take Matthews. I am. I, I got to go with Matt. Matthews is a quality. He's not, he's a journeyman, but he's a quality journeyman. He's not a journeyman. He's 18 yes, and he, five. He, that's what's not, that? He's 18 and five. He is not a journeyman. That's a journey. In MMA, that's, that's a lot of fights. He's not going anywhere really to the top. That's not a journeyman yet, though. I, I look at journeymen when they, when they're in double digits on both sides and it's fairly close. That's what I'm looking at. I, I, I'd say that's, he's a, he's a guy that's just around, get, just going to stick around, continuing to fight, but he's never going to be a challenger. I, I agree. But I, I still don't think that makes him a journeyman. And he'll be happy with his paycheck this week. All right. Eugene is going with Simmelsberger. 
So Gene's insane. He is insane. Gene's on peyote this weekend. All right. Next up, we get to Cheyenne Vlismas taking on Corey McKenna. Now, if you remember, she used to be Cheyenne Bays. She was married to JP Bays, also on the roster. And little JP Bays, flyweight, lost his wife to middleweight Roman Delize. Just want to put that out there. Oh, geez. Look at that. Look at that gossip going. <sighs> I don't care about this fight, though. That was the most, I... ex- that was the most interesting <sighs> thing about the whole fight was what I just told you. Yeah, I think they're not they're not quite re- they're outside the relevant they, in that division. They'll get there, but they're not there yet. Yeah, I mean the winner, whoever moves up, event you go, okay, I'll care, but no, not right now. All right. Next up at one eighty five, Cody Brundage taking on Mikhail Alexiachuk. I don't care. Yeah, I'm in the it's not not a relevant fight for me at all. Uh, Eugene is actually caring about this. He is going Again, to the He's Lexi on peyote. Show. The guy is out of his mind. <laughs> all right. Next up, we get to Drew Dober taking on Bobby Green. Whoa. This is the fight right here. I'm taking Dober. I gotta take I mean, uh, I like Bobby Green, me but too. he's 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 old. Not to be mean. He's kind of old, kind of done. I don't know if he's done. Yeah, I, I should say he... done, done. But he's done compared to what he... I don't think he's the fighter he was. Right. And I don't think that he challenges. But he has a definite place in space at, at keeping the riffraff out of the top 15, top 10, something along those lines. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he's he's kind of like where... Um, I'm trying to think who's uh, an older fight. Oh, you know, uh, Jim Miller. Yes, very he's not good. quite Jim. I mean, Jim Miller's probably fallen a little further because he's gotten older. But Jim Miller's for years, he's just not the Jim Miller of old. But he's still like he can still compete. And he's keeping uh, the riffraff out, knocking dudes out back to back to back on a three fight win streak with all finishes. Yeah, and we're right. Uh, Drew Dover's in the same boat as him in many ways, but uh, but Drew I still Dover's think... younger. Yeah, that's that's my one. He's still not. Is he younger though? I believe Drew Dober is... You never know. Sometimes I'm always shocked by some of the ages some of these guys have. Drew Dober's but... 34. Jim Miller's like 39. Oh, okay. And then when and Green's got to be what? Mid-30... 36, I believe. Oh. Uh, I guess yeah, Drew, Drew wins by having being two years younger. Yeah. Um, Bobby Green just turned 36 like two months ago, too. Okay, yeah. So that's... I mean, that's about normal. You, you should be going down at that point. But he's still... There. I'm an, I'm, I'll be watching the fight. This is a fight I, I do kind of care about. Yeah, and... Even though you have double-digit losses for both guys. Yeah. Uh, and Green is who Eugene is picking. He's always been in the bag for Green. So good, po- good choice there. This could go either way, too. Green's not known for knockouts, but he can tune your ass up. Dover is known for knockouts, but he's not really the guy that's tuning your ass up. You know, he's he's mm. basically the guy that stands in there and bangs until he either gets finished or gets decisioned or he knocks your ass out. Now, Bobby Green has a super tough chin, so I don't know if that knockout is going to come, but we'll see. Anyways, uh, Alex Caceres or Caceres taking on Julian Arosa. And Arosa has... He's on this career trajectory that's mimicking Robbie Lawler. He's been cut, come back. He's had a losing run. Now he's on a winning run. I don't know which end is up, but I'm kind of leaning Julian Arosa here, despite the fact that Alex Caceres or Caceres, however you say it, um, 
is a gigged and frequently yeah. spoils my choices. Well, he's also got kind of a guy that's permanently a non-care for me because he's just not he his name value and stuff. He, there's more interest in him than his talent, his performances ever deserved. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Um. You know, but you know, Bruce, I'll call him Bruce Leroy, so we don't have to worry about mispronouncing his last name because everybody there's two different ways that you know it, people pronounce it. But uh, I got to go. I I think I do kind of care though because I, yeah. I think and I'm taking a Rosa. I, think I he's am just too. A so um, let's see here. And, of course, Eugene has always been in the bag for Caceres, so he'll be taking him. But um, we are taking Erosa. All right, let me just skip this down. Erosa. Okay, next up. What are they doing here? Alessandro Costa taking on Amir Albazi. I don't mind this being on the main card. I just would have liked that Manel Cops fight also be up here with with this 125 fight. Amir Albazi 15 and 1, Alessandro Costa 12 and 2. I am taking Albazi because it does matter. The, the, these guys are good. So I'm going to take Albazi. This is is Costa the guy this is his debut in the UFC? Yeah. Okay, it would have been nice if they got a guy that had a so I could actually have a track record to go off of of comparable mm-hmm. fights. That's the uh I mean partly says I don't care. No, I do actually care. That's the problem. I gotta go. I mean, I mean uh, Costa might be great because I just have no way to gauge him because I, yeah. I don't know any of his opponents, but I'm yeah. gonna go with Amir. Yeah. Uh Amir's good. He's a known commodity and is pretty good. Yeah. So uh Eugene did not uh <clears throat> choose on that fight. Next up, we get to the co-main event, Armin Sarukian taking on Demir Ismagilov. Oof. Demir Ismagilov, 24 and 1. Armin Sarukian, 18 and 3. I am at a loss how I'm going. I'm sort of leaning Ismagilov, but shit. Man, this one's a hard one to pick. I I guess I'll go first then. Um oh. It is a hard one to pick, and I'm going with uh, crap. Now I'm having second. I'm See? having doubts. Did, now I'm going to go with Armin. I'm going with Armin. I'm going with Armin. <sighs> I, I'm not 100% sold, but I am going with Armin. I just uh, he uh, though he did he lost to Gamera, so right. That's beat, he did lose but him, he right? But he beat Yoel Alvarez, and that's a really fucking good win. Yeah, and he beat the crap out of him on the ground, if I remember right. In that one, and that's he what also that, beat Matt Frivola. And Davi Hamos yeah, so... and Olivier Islam. I mean, uh, Olivier Oben Mercier. He did lose to Islam Makachev and Mateo Gamrot. No shame in those. And if and Demir, if I remember right, just has not lost in a long time. He's just been on a streak, a terrible, or just a nothing but a win streak forever. Let's, but let's I gotta go. I'm his... still gonna. Let's look at his though. He's got the win over Gurum Kutataladze. But remember, I remember that fight. I remember it well, and Gurum took it to him. And it was a split decision, and a lot of people thought Gurum Kutataladze won that fight. I was on the fence. I couldn't figure out who won after three watches of that fight. To this day, I can't figure out who won. But anyways, it was a tough fucking fight. He also has a win over Yoel Alvarez. Yoel Alvarez, man, he is (laughs) so freaking good. He really is. His... His two losses in the UFC are only to Armin Sarukian and Demiris Magula. So again, it makes it so fucking hard to pick this fight. 
Well, if you look at the compare the the the, the same opponent, if I remember right, Armin finished Alver of Alvarez, oh, and, okay. uh, and and it was a decision for Demir. So, but I'm gonna I, I just I'm gonna I, I just like I'm gonna stick my gut. My gut says Armin. Yeah, I'm gonna take Sarukian too. Um, surprisingly, Eugene didn't even want to pick this one. So he's again, he's on, he's on, he's on hallucinogenics. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> right. Okay. So we get to the main event, Sean Strickland, Jared Kennedy, <laughs> Jared Kennedy is going to mop the floor with Sean Strickland. It's going to be embarrassing. You know what? My fear is it's not, I got my fear is he's, it's Sean's going to make it ugly and, and pull out some, but that's, that's, that's my fear, but the reality is my 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 brain tells me Jared's going to catch him and knock him the f out. Yep, and hurt him bad. So I'm going with Jared Cannonier. And and Eugene is also going with Cannonier. So we are all in agreement. Now I am going to read off these picks that we have made one more time to make it easier on June. So I am going with Manel Cop. I am going with Saeed Nurmagomedov. I am going with Jake Matthews, Drew Dober, Julian Erosa, uh, Amir Alvazi, Armin Sarukian, and Jared Cannonier. John is going with exactly the same. We oh, my God. This oh is my just God. a... a okay, so you, how are you copying me? Ditto John all the way down. Now we get to Eugene, who is taking Manel Kopp, Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, Matt Simmelsberger, um, Alexia Chuk. Bobby Green, uh, Alex Caceres, and Jerry Cannonier. And those are our picks. Now, I know we gave you a, a, a very long show, but this is the last card of the year. So we figured we'd give you some extra meat to chew on, some fat to chew. Yeah, and I'm actually shocked that there's that many fight on a fight night that there's that many fights I'm actually interested in. Exactly. They really, the last three cards have looked pretty goddamn good. UFC Orlando was a phenomenal card i mean it had a lot of meaty fights on it last night's card there were some good exciting fights i don't know how much actual meat was in there outside i just as a pay-per-view price is a, that's yes. the point that's the argument i have against that that fight it wasn't like a bad card it's like an 80 card no. that's, that's that's very questionable 81 18 if you want to know the total with taxes and fees oh boy <laughs> so on that fine note do me a favor and follow this guy on Twitter at Hey Not the Face because he is going to be dropping a new episode sometime this week, if I'm to understand. John, what is the content? This week we are doing for the Hey Not the Face podcast, which we've we were a little late on because as I said before I got sick over uh, the holidays. Uh, we are gonna go over a UFC contract. We're gonna we're gonna look at a UFC contract, we're gonna walk through a current UFC contract with what their current standard contract is with the listeners. So that's a big, big day. And if you if you have that chance, I had an article that came out a couple of weeks too ago about uh, the the options for Francis and Ganu. So oh, going yes. forward, what his what 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 his possible options are, considering you know based on uh, stay with the UFC or go somewhere else. All righty. So and also, won't we have bits and pieces of the contract to actually include in the post? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll probably link the contract itself because oh, we got gosh. it from. It's a court document. It's not something that you know that someone gave me. So we can. This is something that can be shared. So we're gonna we're gonna probably post the contract elements, the 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 court material somewhere, and people can hopefully download it and read along with us. It'll be a, it'll be a read along. 
I love that. Now, are we allowed to say whose contract we have? Yes, we are. I don't see why not. Can we tell? Or do yeah, you want to sure. keep it a I mean, secret? it's you know, maybe, well, it's a big surprise. You got to tune in to find out, but it's okay. not a big. It won't be a but big we, surprise. We, it's we not do. a big. It's not a big like a. Uh, but it's an actual UFC contract, and it's current. Yes, it's a current contract. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. Because... Well, actually, you know, this might be. This might be like she. She might have signed a new contract since then, but still, it was. It's a contract from 2018. Oh, good. Yes. So actually, it's two contracts. What am I saying? We're going to have more than one contract in oh, this because my... we have a contender's contract. We have the regular oh. contract. We have bout agreements and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Oh, my. See, I'm loving this so much. Okay. Can't wait. Can't wait. So, folks, follow Eugene on Twitter at Eugene S. Robinson and do follow the Eugene S. Robinson Substack. Definitely subscribe. He has a free a free one that's entry level. Or do him a solid. Throw him a bone. Give him give him some. Yeah, don't money. be a cheapskate. Pay him the money. The guy's yeah. working his ass off for you. And it is it is very, very reasonable. I think like the first tier is like seven bucks a month. I don't know. I have two subscriptions. I bought one for myself and one for my husband so we could contribute two times. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I bought a subscription, then he sold me a second subscription. Now he's on my third. (laughs) All of your family members get the subscription for Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyways, on that fine note, we're going to wrap it up. So, until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, And as always, on BloodyElbow.com.